This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Welcome back, everybody. It's Blockbuster Film School. I am not Alex Bonner. I'm the other one. We are at the Blockbuster Film School. I am your second-in-command professor of the entire school, Mr. Alex Bonner, joined, as always, by your lord, overlord, master commander of the Blockbuster Film School, Mr. Nicholas Souder. I'm just a patsy. And of course, we also have, he's secretly hiding in the room, the super producer, Mr. Brian Tapps. He refuses to have a microphone. He's literally putting his cloak on right now. He did. What a, and he turned invisible. What the fuck? Holy shit! Team, we've got a great episode for you today. You're wondering, what could Blockbuster Film School do that could top the last episode? I will tell you. I will tell you. It is one of the greatest American filmmakers of all time. It is Miss Sophia Coppola. I'm sure we're going to get into some of her backstory a little bit. Now, Nick, you know that Miss Sophia Coppola kind of has some famous Hollywood relatives. Just a few. Yeah, I'm pretty sure her dad is Larry David. Mm -hmm. And that makes her cousin George Costanza. That's right. And her brother-in-law was Mickey from Seinfeld, the small person. <laughs> I was going to say, but I was literally going to say Tim Watley. I was going to say oh, okay. yeah, yeah. that it was Cranston. Walter White. It was yeah. Cranston. <laughs> We've been saving this for a little bit because me and Nick are giant Sofia Coppola fans. And if you're not a Sofia Coppola fan, then you're a dickball. What was the first Sofia Coppola movie that you remember, Nick? What was the first time you ever remember the idea of Sofia Coppola? You come out and you mm-hmm. say how much we love her, and then mm-hmm. we're just going to start with slander. No, no way, dude. Sofia Coppola, coming from literally one of the royal families of cinema, truly all the way across the board, her father, her grandfather, her cousins, her mother was a well-respected actress. I mean, literally you're talking about royalty upon royalty. And in my opinion, she is the most talented out of maybe all of them. Like I would watch Apocalypse Now if Sofia Coppola redirected it. Okay. If like there's an element. Also, We're not she- talking about though mm. her directing. You asked me the first Sofia Coppola movie I remember, yes, which I, means we have to start in we have to start with, with the movie where her family made her the sacrificial lamb <laughs> to the sequel gods yes. and put her in Godfather 3. Oh, well, to be fair, we didn't know this, but she was the little baby in The Godfather in the scene where they are baptizing. Michael, that should have been the last time she was in a movie. Michael Jr. is Sofia Coppola being oh. baptized as they're shooting people, as they're doing one of the more epic montages in the history of cinema. That's Sofia doing her first acting role as a, a baby. But yes, no. Uh, <laughs> listen, I have read the Reddit comments about Sofia Coppola's acting in The Godfather Part Three. I'm not going to say they are incorrect. They're just... Except for the misogynist ones. Because <laughs> it is Reddit. 
there is an amazing quote that she has where she someone asked her about her role in Godfather Part 3. And this is her quote, literally. Let's see. Did I not want to do it? I don't know. I didn't care. I was trying different things. It sounded better than college. So, I mean... You know what's funny? That's exactly what I told the cops when I was arrested for selling weed. <laughs> not all great directors are great actors. No, not no. everyone can be Quentin Tarantino in Django Unchained. <laughs> oh, God. Are you going to do an Australian accent? No, because it'll be better than his. Not all great actors are great directors. No. But we are going to talk about one of the absolute royalty for blockbuster film school. Me and Nick have been big fans of Sophia for a long time. I think it's honestly one of the things that we bonded on in the beginning was that Sophia was to me, literally when I was renting things at blockbuster video, a bizarre beacon of she's a little older than us, a little older than us, but was somebody who was in our age group who was making exceptional film, exceptional things. And I have to toss out the fact that, yes, of course, the first thing, and I I even remember, I remember watching Godfather Part 3. I rented it with my parents, and we watched it, and we sat there, and it happened to us, you know? It was like watching a car accident occur with people you enjoy (laughs) as actors try and make something called the Godfather part three. Also Andy Garcia was there for some reason, just basically being some sort of weird cardboard human. And now it's bizarre to think about the idea that that's all people remember about Sofia Coppola, because that's not the only thing they remember, but I don't think anybody really remembers that. I forgot until you brought it up today. (laughs) Okay, good. good. Yeah. What's the first time you remember Sofia Coppola as a director? Oh, Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yes. I think this would be kind of interesting on this episode because Sofia hasn't made that many movies, but in my opinion, like, none of them have been bad. All of them have been exceptional in some weird way. And when I saw this, The Virgin Suicides, it sort of blew my mind apart. It's like watching somebody's dream, mm. which I think is a line from the movie. It is, but it's also kind of like watching. Um, it's as if someone took the trope of high school movies. And I know that there's the Jeffrey Eugenides novel, which is also great. But someone took the high school trope, which is a genre of movies, and then made something very different and very spooky and very poetic and psychedelic from it. And what are your just takeaways? Like, I think this episode, I don't know how much jokes I have really for this, but I I do right now. Yeah. James Woods. (laughs) That's the joke. Uh, When they uh, take their kiss records away and they cry. I mean, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, kids. (laughs) Not my kiss records. How am I listen to Beth? How um, will I listen to a Republican fucking talk about his dick on records? Again, James Woods. <laughs> Is Kathleen Turner the mom? Mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Sophia Coppola to me is like a classic filmmaker who takes things 
from every era that she's influenced by and sort of incorporates it into her pieces, into her structure. But we'll get into this. Let's just do a little overview real quick. So Sophia Carmina Coppola, Hmm. Hmm. born May 14th, 1971 in New York. Go figure. Go figure. Uh, obviously, the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola and Eleanor Neal, Eleanor Coppola, her mother, who was an actress. Her grandfather was Carmine Coppola, who was one of the more famous opera singers of all time. And her Talia Shire is her aunt. Nicholas Cage is her cousin. Jason Schwartzman is her cousin. Gia Coppola is her niece. Roman Coppola is her brother. She is from, as we were saying, like... The royal family. A royal family. A absolute Hollywood royal family. Can I say something about Jason Schwarzman real fast? Hit it. I didn't see the Bowie exhibit when it was here. I caught it in New York Mm. at the Brooklyn Museum. I was watching the videos because they had a whole section of the TV set up. You just said all those music videos. And I was standing there like out of tears because I just, you know, I'm a Pisces. I just cried through the whole fucking thing. (laughs) I'm only bringing it up because we're recording it during Pisces season. I know. My sister keeps sending me all these memes about how what much you, sensitive asshole. What are we doing asshole. for your birthday? I don't know. Getting drunk. <laughs> I've never had alcohol before. That'll, oh, be, well, that'll be interesting. It'll be your first time. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be fun. But Jason Schwartzman was there mm. without his headphones because you yeah. walk through the thing and you just pick up the Wi-Fi from each little piece, right? Yeah. He stormed by me three or four times without the headphones, either looking for something or somebody but twice he pushed me out of the way. Not that- not rough, just like a little shove. Also, he is so much shorter than yeah. I ever fucking imagined. And I have to toss this out here like a kindergarten thing. I think he liked you. You know, he's just kind of putting his hands on you. Just yeah. kind of just kind of giving you a little shove. Just kind of hey pal. Hey. Oh, I'm I'm angry that you're here. I think I think Jason Schwartzman might want to be your boyfriend. That or he literally lost Bill Murray. That is also, he also was high on Molly in the David Bowie exhibit, which yeah. is just how it rolls. You know, I mean, funny thing is, I was like, I don't think that's Jason Schwartzman. So I Googled him because <laughs> the night before he was at the Isle of Dog premiere and he was wearing <laughs> oh, the God. same fucking outfits from the night before. So Jason Schwartzman. I just called you out twice. Yeah, listen, bro. You want to come on the show and address these allegations? You fight me. About you wearing the outfit two days in a row? Let's go. Yeah. And about how in love you are with Nicholas Sutter. I mean, That's right. let's face it. He's a handsome boy. He's a handsome young man. And I'd watch you guys. You want to be in love with me, Schwartz. I mean, you guys have come to terms with the fact I'm wearing pajama pants as underwear right now because <laughs> I haven't done laundry. Also, it's Chicago. You need to wear many layers. Just I'm just cold, yeah. so you don't die. Um... Back to Sophia. Sorry. But <laughs> it had no, to be said. I, it had to be said. These are allegations that need to be addressed. Well, okay. So there's an element. So Sophia, obviously, her dad is Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. And he, she, for people who don't know, he directed The Rainmaker. He directed The Rainmaker. He directed Jack. Yep. Starring Robin Williams, who's a movie you don't want to see again. Rumblefish. But more likely you have seen The Outsiders and Cotton Club Cotton Club, and The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. Godfather 2. Godfather 2. Which conversation. Is of all of that. Yes, absolutely. Love and the conversation. Secretly I, my favorite movie. Her dad is also a master filmmaker. Truly. Here's an interesting question. 
has there really ever been somebody like Sophia where I would truly consider like not incorporating a little bit of the old Chicago nepotism, right? Nepotism that she truly is also a master, like a parent to a kid master director. I don't really know. I can't really think of one that's just popping up in my head. Her brother directs interesting stuff and there have been other ones, but the direct correlation of that. I absolutely will say that Francis Ford Coppola obviously is a master filmmaker at one point. Now he is more a master winemaker. Yeah. yeah. Which is great for him. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of maybe what he wanted to do. He was stressed out. He had two yeah, well, heart attacks and maybe three strokes when he made apocalypse now. Okay. He has that set was so stressful and Martin Sheen had a fucking heart attack. Too. Everybody, everybody was Every out. Yeah. There's an entire documentary, Heart of Darkness, which is the name of the book that the movie's based on, just about everybody losing their shit. And it's as long as Apocalypse Now. If you don't remember, Apocalypse Now is three days long. The screenwriter, John Millis, was like holding a loaded Glock the entire time. Well, he was just wrangling Brando. That's fair. (laughs) Which... We'll get into that in our Brando slash Coppola thing of that Brando, in one of the more epic things of all time, showed up. Not to fat shame or anything. He didn't show up overweight. Well, I'm. I'm he showed up 200 pounds overweight yeah. to a set. They were like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a, you Did didn't you show eat up. Marlon Brando? What the, what the fuck is going on? It's one thing to be like, look, man, I stopped working out and I gained yeah. 30 pounds. Like, it is another thing to become an entirely different person to show up Jabba the Hutt style and be like, it's me. Yes. Yeah. Some sort he of- was so fat, they changed the third act. Made him stand <laughs> they, in the dark except for his face. Shoot him. They couldn't yeah. shoot him straight on. And Coppola literally had, he was like, I can't feel my right finger. The fingers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, he was on the phone with Panavision. They were like, no, it's the widest lens we got. This is all we got. This is all- just shoot his face. And fucking Millis is like, I'll just shoot him in the face. Yeah. I'll do it. Like, no, no, no. Calm down. Calm down. Meanwhile, Coppola's like, I smell toast. I smell toast. <laughs> I will make this argument. I think that was where her dad decided to not really make movies anymore. Well, the one after that where he lost all the money and mm-hmm. Zotrope, Zotrope mm-hmm. went bankrupt. I think that's where he decided to stop making movies. Mm. But I think that one. Physically. Yes. Yeah. Like he was like, I can still do it. And then. Yeah. And then the next one was the mental one. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to make wine from now on. And raise my blood. kids like an asshole. <laughs> and. Stupid parent. It's interesting. Sophia has talked about this idea that she basically grew up on a farm and that most people would think that she would have really like grown up in Hollywood or the New York art scene. But really, Sophia Coppola grew up on a vineyard in Northern California. And yes, she was a little baby in The Godfather. And yes, she was the failed actress in... The Godfather Part 3. But she was a child in both of those. And then for her to then bounce back. And she then went to obviously like NYU. She did the entire thing. She did the entire sort of principality royal film work stuff. But see, for me, that's like the crazy shit. Because like someone showed me 
the Virgin Suicides, and I had no idea. I had no idea who had made this movie. I had no idea who Kirsten Dunst was. I had no idea what any of this was. You saw Jumanji. I did see Jumanji, and I more so had seen Small Soldiers, as well as Interview with a Vampire. So I did sort of know who Kirsten Dunst was, but I didn't really process that she was kind of like a sort of DiCaprio. Like, she's like... Kirsten Dunst is also, we'll have a Kirsten Dunst episode, but in my opinion, Kirsten Dunst is next level, like can do mayhem shit that other people cannot do. And the first time that I really sort of saw this was this weird movie about a family in Detroit as Detroit fell apart. And they were these sisters who had this creepy religious family who wouldn't let them be part of society. And spoiler alert, there's a suicide in it. Now, as to who gets suicided, it is... What's that word again? It's Josh Hartnett's No, 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 no. Oh, suicided. Suicided. Thank (laughs) you. Just wanted to check. That's what the CIA calls it when they kill someone and they make it look like a suicide. They've suicided someone. I don't know. What are, what are your takeaways on Virgin Suicides? Because we're coming back to it. But it's honestly, for me, the first big Sofia Coppola thing. It's still the movie that sticks. When people mm. mention Sofia Coppola, I think of this. Mm. I waited for this movie to come out on video. I rented it the first week mm. it came out. It was better than I expected. And it sort of burned a hole in my brain. I'm going to say this because I was thinking about this today. Virgin Suicides is very dreamlike. It's very spooky. It's her style. It's something that I don't think anybody else really does. You know how we normally talk about other directors, and it's very clear, like, Tim Burton was very influenced by German expressionism. And hot rags. Exactly. Or, you know, Martin Scorsese was very clearly directed by, like, Howard Hawks. And, you know, like, there's there's a lot of very clear correlations. I don't really know what the fuck is going on with Sophia. Like, she literally thought up... Like, I know maybe her dad, I guess, a little bit. And I guess dreamlike movies. And also, I would say maybe even the bigger one is like 90s television, maybe. Like 90210. And maybe even John Hughes, these sort of... But not really, right? Like, there's almost her taking a weird, poetic, dreamlike take on this stuff. On life. That all of this stuff feels very real. Her style kind of reminds me of... uh... Michelangelo, I'm terrible with Italian names. Mm-hmm. This is the funniest bit. Antonolini. There's no L in it. Michelangelo, Ninja Turtle. Antoani. Antoani. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, like her mo- like, I feel like Luda Ventura reminds me a lot of. There's an element of like, she definitely. suicides. She, she definitely has influence from the sort of Italian realist stuff, the French New Wave stuff. It's all there, but I swear, I can't really put my finger on her stuff. I'll put it this way. Not everyone likes Radiohead, right? But the people who like Radiohead like Radiohead. You know what I'm saying? And for me, Sofia Coppola is my Radiohead, where I don't really know what it is exactly that she's doing, but she's doing it. And it's spooky and it's good, but it's also sort of neorealist and it's, it works. Her shit is semi-documentarian. It's 
It's spooky. It's spooky how powerful her shit is. Sometimes characters talk in weird, almost poetic prose. And sometimes they have bizarre, like when fucking James Woods wants to take their kiss records away and everyone's screaming at each other and you want to kill yourself. Not ex- You know what I'm saying though? But like you understand, she makes you understand things with her characters that you wouldn't, like, I'm not going to lie to you. There are suicides in the Virgin Suicides. I don't want to kill myself. I don't like normally watching movies where characters are put into positions where they would want to kill themselves. But in the virgin suicides, you begin to understand the psychosis and character mayhem and mayhem poetry that would make you want to kill yourself over this shit. And it's like, what? How is that possible? I don't know. That's what she does really well is repetition. Yes. Mm. And her movies don't have so much of a plot as it's just characters stuck in a cycle. Like, it's, it's the opening scene of somewhere mm. Mm. where it's just Stephen Dwarf. Dwarf. Dwarf? Dwarf. Dwarf does golf? Dwarf does Dwarf. Stephen Dwarf driving in that circle over and over. That's a lot of her characters. Same thing with the bling ring. Same thing with Marie Antoinette, Lost in Translation. She has all these characters I, just repeating the same actions over and over. She's just driving home. I also have to toss something out. I agree with you, but I have to toss out this thing. She is full Gen X. She is actually Gen X. And her stuff is like Nirvana kind of stuff where it's funny, but it's also sad. It's horrible, but it's also amazing. It's this kind of weird. I love Sofia Coppola's movies. I've literally been sitting around thinking, knowing we were going to do this episode for the last couple of days of what I was going to say, because I'm not entirely sure of what they are and how they work because you're right. She gets amazing performances out of people, but it doesn't really have mega plot driven stuff. No, it's very dreamlike a lot of it, but it does have a sort of plot and you get caught up in it and you become the characters. If you haven't seen the Virgin suicides, I'm just going to tell you, you need to see it. I will continue to talk about it, but I, I think we should just move on because Sophia hasn't made that many movies and they all sort of stream together in these sort of weird ways where the next one is Lost in Translation. So, obviously, I know she's royalty, but to make your first feature be a con fucking prize with Virgin Suicides and this insane underground hit at Blockbuster. Honestly, at Blockbuster, it was like Virgin Suicides. I did get it from Hollywood Community College. Oh, you did, You got it yeah. from Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, of course you did. If you want to go back and listen to the directorial debuts episode, it's the first episode. Uh, we recorded it while I did not have pants on. So. Oh, that episode. Yes. Yeah. So it's not the best of our episodes, but I think Sophia is interesting because it just sort of flows one into the other. Whereas she then makes Lost in Translation. When did you see Lost in Translation? Did you see it in the theater? No, I read that one too. Mm. I've only seen Lost in Translations once. It was really? a perfect moment in my life, and I've decided to never watch it again. I've also stopped speaking to the person I saw it with. Mm-hmm. This movie was so good. After we watched, finished it, this girl and I went into my bathroom, and I gave her bangs. Granted, they were god-awful. Her haircut was fucked up for weeks because... 
Apparently, <laughs> just because you think you're giving somebody bangs, you don't realize you're cutting on an angle, and then you make them look like some sort of weird. I don't. She looked like Enid from she Ghost looked fine. World. She looked great. She looked like an <laughs> asshole. But spoiler alert: this is going to be my number one for her Ooh, I, on the blockbuster wall, I mean, just because. Yeah, I've I, never gone back to it in that way. It's never going to age poorly. It's never going to be different. It's never going to be flawed. It starts it's a perfect movie on a shot of Scarlett Johansson's butt. It does sheer panties. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what it is, but there's almost an element of like that. Sophia Coppola has these weird things. There's no mega sexuality in these things. But there's mega sexuality in all of her movies. There's no mega emotions in any of these things, but there's mega emotions in all of these things. It's all in conversations. It's all in moments, exactly like you said, of just the time you cut someone's bangs. It means more to you than you possibly remember. Sofia Coppola is able to capture these things. And it's mind blowing to me. It's exhausting. It's in a way that is the most fabulous compliment of exhausting of like that. Sophia is able to portray emotions out to you through cinema. That is like, Oh shit. And I fully understand what you're saying. I do. I saw it in the theater. That's the only time I ever saw it because very similarly, I saw it with people who were friends of mine who I don't even talk to anymore but I still remember that movie. I still remember seeing it. It's interesting also, if we're going to go beyond our own elements of what we saw in it, it's very clearly about her marriage to Spike Jones. Yeah. It's a very personal thing. It's a poem. She makes movie poems. That's her thing. She's a very poetic filmmaker. And her sort of fantasy of finding someone better in her own marriage as she's with one of the greatest directors in the world. It's bizarrely interesting. Like also the, the element that like her dad is one of the best filmmakers of all time. Possibly her ex-husband is one of the best filmmakers of all time, but it's like an element of like, were they maybe this good because of Sophia? I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because they knew her at all. I don't know. This is me extrapolating it to levels of nonsense. But this is what her movies do. You know what I'm saying? Like there's an element of bizarre poetry to the whole thing. I don't know. It's obviously her biggest critical success by far. And financial yeah. probably success. Uh, she is the third woman to ever be nominated for Best Director because of Lost in Translation. She won best original screenplay. She was only the second woman to ever do that. She created something that in a lot of ways, no one had ever done before in a lot of things. And I feel like lost in translation. All I'm going to say, and I'm going to stop being such a wiener about it, but I feel like there's things that lost in translation does not get the credit for that. It should get. It's an interesting element of catching a movie at the exact right moment. You needed to see a movement. And this is the thing of why I love Sophia so much is not only because I love her technically as a, a skilled filmmaker, but as a weird poetic filmmaker, she just sort of has this understanding to kind of toss something out to people who are willing to listen to it at that exact moment. 
And every single one of her movies, there's not a single one of her movies that I think is bad. There will be no blockbuster dumpster for Sofia Coppola. I'm sorry. Her shit is elite in that way where she didn't do the stuff that I, it's interesting that I think a lot of like, maybe, maybe it is a testosterone thing or maybe I don't know, or maybe it's just a, a human thing that most people who make art try lots of shit and have fails and fail at things and they figure out stuff and then they have masterpieces. And if you're really paying attention, you see the pieces from their fails that all come together in the masterpieces. Sophia just makes these fucking lightning bolt movies and you watch them and you just go, Oh shit. And I will say there's an element. Most of Sophia's movies, I don't want to watch many, many times over and over again because they're so affecting and powerful. The Virgin Suicides, I have not watched many times. All of her movies, we'll get into these. Somewhere I watched once and it messed with me so bad that I left Los Angeles. You know what I'm saying? Like there was peculiar things in the way that Sophia makes her movies. I don't know. Nick, I'd just like to get your hot takes. I don't know. Which one are we talking about now? We're still talking about Lost in Translation, but I I just am very curious of just I'm not... For like the Bling Ring and Lost... And specifically for Bling Ring and Somewhere, I don't think they are as amazing films as you do. Mm. But what I felt from watching Somewhere is greater than the sum of its parts. Fair. Do you think anybody else is making movies like this? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm it's, there's not a lot of people, but there's mm-hmm. it's patient filmmaking. If you're willing to wait and just watch and listen and let watch the slow zoom ins and just have these characters breathe and feel and do these things, then eventually when the shit actually gets hard and they have to make decisions or they have to change things, you're with them along the way. You're standing there looking at Stephen Dorff going, dude, go say you love your daughter while she drives away in a fucking cab. I know. Leave your fucking hotel. Go to the stupid tennis She's camp. a fanning. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Yes. <laughs> Nobody cares about the other one. Let's be honest. I mean, let's face it. Elle is, Elle is the real deal. Yeah. Um, but that's the first time I ever saw her. I think Sophia was the one who was like, you should be in movies. Like She was in something before that. I don't know. I mean, maybe. That was the first time I ever saw her. I will say this. There's a weird element because she is royalty. She is so embedded in Hollywood. The level of her understanding of how Hollywood works, I think is why something that was sort of innocuous to Hollywood with Lost in Translation, they didn't mind. They were like, oh, okay, you're talking about your divorce from Spike Jones a little bit. You're talking about how you had sex with Bill Murray that one time. That's great. But- That's not that big a deal. But as we're getting into this, Sophia often makes movies that are reflexive. And like we were talking about, Italian realist movies, bicycle thief kind of things about Hollywood itself. And this, I think, is why somewhere was not people didn't like this. And like I said, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but. I think Sophia doesn't pull punches, but does it in such a spooky way where it's affecting. It is absolutely affecting. And that character that Dorf plays 
in somewhere is a lot of actors. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who live in Hollywood, who exist in Hollywood and how Hollywood works and how it's not any, it, it is a sheen and it is not a real world. And she presents these dreamlike bizarro existence characters and you have to just literally say, fuck, this is maybe how the world works. And it, like I said, like it's got this Radiohead sort of thing where it's like, this is not rock and roll. It is the other side and it is deconstructed and bizarre. And you either like it or you don't. You either feel it all the way or you don't. And I could understand, like I've shown Sophia Coppola movies to people and they hate them. They think they are trash. They are like, this is the boringest thing I've ever seen. And then you're like, well, I'm going to break up with you now because you have no emotions. Um, dad. And what I'm saying is, is that. You dated your dad. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> No. Is it because you like tall people? <laughs> tall people are dangerous. Okay. They're giants. And their clothes don't fit all the way. Um, they end up with bad knees too. Mm-hmm. That's why Brian should be happy. He's they're short. so angry. They're like, "Why don't I fit in this car?" They get more and more upset, and they're like, "Oh, listen up, listen up, you angry clown." Okay. However, let's put it this way. So we're going through this, and after she makes Lost in Translation, her next movie is also critically acclaimed, also nominated for Best Picture, also nominated for tons of Academy Awards, wins a bunch of Academy Awards. She doesn't win any. It's Marie Antoinette, right? Which is also this very interesting element of she's also talking about Hollywood in a way, in my opinion, when I see that movie. It is about Louis the Sixteenth. It is about Marie Antoinette. It is about the end of the French regality, about the end of we've all heard the story, the let them eat cake, and then everyone's getting guillotined. But they present it as us, as a bunch of rich people who are obsessed with shoes and actually have all their own problems with their own love life and their own nonsense. And they're so self-obsessed that they don't really realize that there are people at the gates who are going to fucking create a machine to cut their heads off. And I have to say the scenes with the shoes are fucking amazing. (laughs) And she puts her cousin in it. I know Jason Schwartzman was mean to you at the David Bowie exhibit. But what I'm saying is, what do you think about Mary Antoinette? I like Mary Antoinette. I think it's a good movie. Mm. I don't think it's her best work. I think thematically it's share all of her films share a theme. Mm. But again, it's like the same thing. I've only seen Marie Antoinette once. Mm. This is a totally different experience. I saw this actually with our friend Jess Rose and her cousin, Amanda. (laughs) And beforehand, we were smoking weed in my car. And she goes, can we go through the drive-thru at Popeye's? I said, yes. And then, duh, that's what we call her, duh, proceeded to buy an eight-piece chicken dinner, put it in her giant purse, sneak it in. And then in the middle of Marie Antoinette, like 20 minutes in, which I realized is not. Did she eat an eight piece? No, she just started <laughs> passing around chicken. Oh. Let me tell you, movie theaters do not stop smelling like Popeyes mm. once people start consuming Popeyes chicken. There's an element. All things smell like Popeyes if you bring Popeyes into them. That is very true. That's part of the law of yeah. thermodynamics. I think that's the fourth one. I do believe this is, I would say this is her most underrated movie. I agree. She went at it very punk rock. She went at it 
differently than I think she did with any of her other movies. Uh, the costumes are fucking dope. The music is fucking dope. She was going at it with a like a fury that was not existent in the other stuff. It still has the dreamlike stuff. It still has the, if you are willing to get lost in the Sofia Coppola dream world, you get lost there. But like the opening sequence is crazy fucking rock and roll over the most badass sets of weird women's shoes you've ever seen. And I don't know why it, messed with me so bad, but I just, I was like, this is so sexy in a way. Also, Sofia Coppola has this way of incorporating sex appeal into her movies that is not the way that sex appeal has been incorporated into movies before. Like, you just feel this weird sexual attraction from all of these characters, but they never really do anything about it. There's just clear and front sexual attraction Obviously, there's scenes where, you know, goddamn Kirsten Dunst is wearing a powdered wig and fucking thigh-high stockings and nothing else. But you don't really see anything. You know what I'm saying? There's just this... So the powdered wigs do it for you. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I didn't know it until I saw that. You know Fair. what I'm saying? There's an element of Sofia Coppola where I'm like, I didn't know that this did it for me until I saw this. Well, that's the thing. I was very aroused during all of Barry Lyndon. <laughs> Particularly when they fucking made him fucking tell his own son that he was about to die. It's hot. <laughs> Why do you turn everything into a murdergasm? <laughs> look, oh, well, look, don't get me wrong. You're right, though. But that's an interesting element. I would say Marie Antoinette is absolutely a Barry Lyndon riff from her. That is her Kubrick riff. And it has this element where you get lost and you you start to like these characters. It's part of her thing. None of her characters are ever unlikable. No, never. But they often... Unless they're James Woods. Agree, but they often are in situations where in most movies they would be the unlikable characters. They would be the weird cult girls. They would be the sassy, rich photographer's wife. They would be the... Like weird queen, they would. You know what I'm saying? It. They would be the rich actor. They would always be the unlikable character. They would always be the problem character. And she always finds this way to make this world around them that's bizarre. And you become part of it, and you relate to them. And then when the movie is over, you don't know what to think. Who is the good guy? What was the bad guy? There wasn't one really. The whole world was the fuck up. And that's my take. I don't know. Maybe I'm insane. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, no, here, everything you said, you are insane. But everything yes, you said right. is very valid and on point. Everything in real life is a gray zone. There is yes. no black and white. Yes. Her movies are all a gray zone. Yes. You start caring about this vapid protagonist who has everything everything and is still unhappy is still mm. just waiting for something to come along and make them happy and change their lives and they can go on and do something else and be better but instead they wind up sitting on the floor mm. saying they're the fucking nothing calling their ex-wife right. or they have to fucking flee france or they have this beautiful person in front of them and what they do is go and whisper in their ear 
and then go back to their shitty lives in America. It's, like I said, dude, it's Gen X as fuck. It's alienation as fuck. It is like you care about these characters you should not care about. It's beyond French New Wave. This is what I'm talking about. I'm going to say this right now. I think Sofia Coppola might be secretly America's best filmmaker, like running around in terms of like poetic art, in terms of like doing weird shit that nobody else does, like in terms of just seeing cinema from like this other lens that other people do not see it from. Just as you said, there is an element of like, as we are both fucking weird Hollywood dork nerds, we love movies that we fucking can watch over and over again. We watch Demolition Man fucking as many times as we can because it's awesome. Okay? Uh, we watch Demolition Man every day. Okay? As many times as we can. Uh, uh, that's why the Blu-ray I bought off of Amazon for $5 is still in the plastic. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. But she makes stuff that makes, like... Arnowski's doing his thing with fucking heroin needles and bullshit and it's sad and nightmare and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't really buy any of this. I don't buy any of this. The Sofia Coppola stuff, I buy so deeply that exactly as you said, I watch it one time and I just have to sit around thinking about it. It just pops up in my head sometimes. I just literally have the scenes of it pop up in my head, and I literally have to be like, oh, that's that scene from fucking Lost in Translation. That's what that line is. And I haven't seen that in two decades. You know what I'm saying? And it's, I don't know. There's there's a preposterousness to it. There's a, I love it. But we do have to move on. Coppola's fourth film was Somewhere, as we talked about. Like I said, in the shape of things, she hasn't made that many movies. She made Somewhere. You saw Somewhere, yes? For the first time today. Really? Yep. What'd you think? Like I said before, I don't think it's a great film, but I appreciate what it made me feel mm. more than what I watched. Mm. You want the characters to be better. You want the best for Elle Fanning's character. You don't want right. Steven Dorff to be this vapid piece right. of shit. This is the first time I'm coming He doesn't in. want to be this vapid piece of shit. He doesn't. But, like, also the f- opening scene where he's just driving around his Porsche, mm-hmm. doing laps. Mm-hmm. I realize that's a great metaphor, but also the same time it's going on, all I can think of is a TV show, Archer, where Archer mm-hmm. says, hooray for metaphors. But I don't think it's necessarily a great film, mm. but it is very poetic. It is poetry, like we've been saying. Mm. And... It gets to you in ways other movies that are better wouldn't. Right. I appreciate how this movie made me feel more than what I watched. The thing that stood out to me was that, like, this idea is, like, he's a decently known actor. He makes these movies. And yet his life is closer to yours than you think it is. Like, it's this element of that we have this weird sort of sheen that we think that like Hollywood actors or something are running around rich as fuck. He lives in an apartment with a roommate. Yeah. He has a fancy car and he has a daughter and an ex-wife and all this bullshit. And literally it's just like, and he doesn't know what to do. And literally his saving grace is his kid. Like that his kid, 
is cool and basically has to be like, you used to be cool. <laughs> like, you used to be fucking cool. And now you are whatever the fuck you are. And I think that's why this is this weird changeover in Sofia Coppola movies, though, because this, for me, is the one where Sofia Coppola kind of drives a fucking stake in the ground where she's like, Hollywood's not cool, right? Like, this whole concept of Hollywood, this entire concept of, like, being a rich, famous actor and all these things is not going to save you or make you what you think you should be. Like, it's... You should just fucking hang out with your kid and your roommate. That's what you want to do. But you're going to risk your whole goddamn life just to maybe get one more gig? Like, what? Like, what the fuck is any of this? And I don't know. I know a lot of people haven't really even seen somewhere, but I would recommend it. I I think it's great. I do. I do. I would not recommend any of her movies, except maybe The Beguiled, but... (laughs) Um, <laughs> yeah, that got weird. Okay, so but the next one is the Bling Ring in 2013. What do you think about the Bling Ring? Saw it today for the first time. Mm. What do you think? Not a huge fan. Mm. But I like what she did. Agreed. I just feel feel like she was padding this movie a little bit. There is a lot of montages yeah. of them listening to pop music and dancing for sure. But all of her movies have a lot of repetition. Sure. They are driving home that these characters are doing this and they're going to do it until literally they can't do it anymore. Their life depends on them changing. Mm. You know what? It's worth watching just to watch Hermione free base. (laughs) Exactly. And watch uh, fucking Paris Hilton freak out. Like, I'm trying to do some acting. This act. You're like, this is a fail. No, I agree, 100%. I, but it goes with what I was saying is that, like, we have this entire weird culture that is supposed to be, like, set on high. And meanwhile, there are a shitload of fucking basically poor children who are running around in this same world. And they don't register the difference between, like, what is exalted and what is not. Like, that... Oh, if you steal something from Paris Hilton, you go to prison forever. If you steal something from you, you it doesn't matter. Like, that all of these things are just taking something from someone. I, like I said, like, she's getting into some sort of weird... Like, you know what's crazy is of all of her movies, I couldn't watch The Bling Ring again. More than any of them. Because it broke my fucking heart. It literally made me so sad. Like, these... Who are you sad for? Those kids, like... I'm not were, sad for them at all. Ah, maybe... I, I, the other way, they're just teenage morons who like steal from people who don't even fucking care. They don't even fucking care until it sort of matters to them to care because people told them to give a shit and then they fucking come down on them. And what did they really take from them? What did they really, you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't take bread from their mouths. Like, what did they take from them? And these kids will never be, you know what I'm saying? Like, a bunch of rich people convinced a bunch of other, like, it's preposterous. It's a reflective of, like, how preposterous the entire civilization we live in is. They fucking throw a couple of kids in prison forever because they, they took served some shit. They served 180 days. I'm just saying. Okay, but to be fair, be, to be thrown in jail at all 
for like, okay, well, maybe they should be. I don't know. But like, they weren't Robin Hood. They weren't stealing it and selling it to give it back to the community because they, no they all lived in rich communities anyways. No, that's not true. Yeah. No, the fucking, like, no, the kids who actually went down were the kids who lived in the fucking apartment complexes. The kids who had the fucking rich parents fucking got them off. None of them got off. That's not true at all. I no. I just watched it today. I think I watched a different movie. I'm just saying, like, no. Her friend, the fucking... The one guy, yes. the guy was poor. Everyone else right. lived in very fancy houses. That's what I'm saying, though. But they all went to jail for 180 days. But Hermione like, got out in 30 days. But Exactly. But, like, that, a bunch of them will just get, like, a slap on the wrist. That kid's done, though. Though. It's hard to talk about. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. Her movies are fucking, like, weirdly powerful in this way, where it's like, you just sort of have these weird visceral sort of fucking reactions to them, and it... It freaked me out, man. Honestly, the Bling Ring was this weird, spooky movie to me in a way where it was like a bunch of children who have no parents, apparently, and they fucking take stuff from idiots who don't even care, and then they get tagged, and then it just so happens that, like, oh, one or two of them, you know what? Like, those one or two are super fucked. Super fucked. And they have to go to fucking prison and be fucked. But the other ones, like, the mixing together of the nonsense of it, I don't, I don't It's bumming me out. Uh, the Beguiled. The Beguiled, I watched about 20 minutes of it, and I went, ah, I will come back to this at some point. Hmm. And I never did. No, I didn't. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. It's gotten bad. On the Rocks is to be announced. I'm I'm excited about that. Interesting. It's got a good cast. Hmm. I'd like to see another good Sofia Coppola movie. Yeah. It's been been a while. I will say there's an element of Sofia Coppola movies, though, that, like, even when I'm talking about them, they are, like, affecting to me in my own mind as they sort of unveil themselves in my head of how they work. But I think it's time for... It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall! My name is Brian Tips. I live in the sky. I fly through the air. I do miles. I honestly love that. Uh, Don't put a marker. That stays in. <laughs> that's a, that's the theme song, right? Yeah. Anyways, I think because there are only a few of Sofia Coppola's movies, we're gonna we're gonna do three. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna do three. three. We're gonna do three. And Nick, what is your number three on the Blockbuster Film School wall for Miss Sofia Coppola? Who is married to the guy from the rock band Phoenix? Yeah, who I shall only refer to him now as Mr. Sophia Coppola. I agree. I, it blew my mind when I found out that. I, who would have thought you write one song called Listomania oh, and you can marry no, Sophia Coppola? Oh, no. That whole album, that fucking 1901 album is good, very good. I'm sorry. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But yeah, how dare you marry Sophia Coppola when we are supposed to marry her? When Blockbuster Film School is supposed to marry her as a... No. No, that's what as, you're saying. As I a collective agree. unit? As a four-person unit. Yes, that's correct. That's no, all. I don't... No, that's... you. I understand what you're saying, and I agree. 
I've never been taken more out of context before in my life. But anywho. 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 This is the first episode where I've come in straight up movie high. Because mm. usually I have my research done before this. But instead, Ooh. I wanted to come in extremely fresh. Yeah. So fresh this episode got put off a couple times. I know. I literally just kept going, well. That Amazon rental is just going to sit there. <laughs> Until today, came in movie high for the first yeah, time. I love it. For Somewhere. That's my number three. Ooh. What, like, do, you, what do you like about Somewhere? What's, what's like something you like about Somewhere? Something I like about Somewhere is that there is room for character growth. Mm. And Sofia Coppola takes her sweet-ass time for those characters to grow. Agreed. And when they finally get to that moment... Even though, like I said, I didn't enjoy every part of the movie, sure. but I literally was sitting there yeah. just going, dude, go to your daughter. Yeah. I was yelling at Mr. Antagonist from the original Blade movie himself. <laughs> the protagonist of season three of True Detective. Skipped it because of him. I might go back and watch it. So, also, I'm going to say oh, this. I love Dorf. I'm sorry. I hate him. Oh, disagree. I, this is disagree. the first movie that he was in where I cared what happened to him. And now you understand what I'm saying. Dorf, Dorf mm. has more than you think he does. I know. He has Dorf on golf. He, he has does. Dorf on fishing. He does, though. He really does. To you young people out there, I know. I'm not even going to explain that That's joke. That's next level. That's a joke you're that not only it. makes sense to our parents. Put that thumb up, Super Producer Brian Tapps. <laughs> you're old enough to get it. I love Stephen Dorf. I think he's an amazing actor. Fuck. I love him. I honestly, like... But I like that you reference Blade. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I know him from that. Mm-hmm. I know him from this. I know him from True Detective I haven't watched. And I know him from E-Cigarettes. Salmier picked him out. And he left after two episodes. It wasn't their fault. HBO is a fickle bitch. No, it's the Italian guy. I know. I know. But so it's- was good. So was good. Holds his own with fucking, like, Marshal Ali. Like, I mean, he's fucking fabulous in that Oh, he's season. so good and everything. Yeah, so great. I'll uh, never watch Green Book. Uh, no, that's fair. That's trash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say my three is, of the Sofia Coppola movies, is The Virgin Suicides. Mm. I'm going to do it that way. It's amazing. It somehow managed to make Josh Hartnett look good. It made you believe Josh Hartnett. Acting-wise, because he's, he's not a bad-looking schlub. No, agree. But it made you think Josh Hartnett was a good actor. And then you watch other movies, and you're like, okay. oh, interesting. <laughs> That's I, how good Sofia Coppola is. No, that is how good Sofia Coppola is. Yes. I realize you're not going to like this, but just let me say it. Do it. It's not that she makes Josh Hartnett and Steven Dorff seem like good actors, but she highlights what they do best. I think mm. this is really good for somewhere yeah. that Steven Dorff didn't have to say that many things. <laughs> and that worked the best for him. Right, well... And then when he was interacting with Elle Fanning or the guy... From, also, how good is Steve Pontius from Jackass? Oh, this? my God, dude. Pontius is amazing. In He's that. so good. Also, All of his ele- lines were improvised. And also just, that, like, that element of... That he's this character who's supposed to be a big movie star or at least an actor who is involved in big stuff. But really... When you come down to it, what's more important is you have a good time with your daughter and your friend. Yeah. Like, 
isn't that more important in your fucking life yeah. than no one will give a shit in the end about anything you do with any of this stuff, but will maybe in some sort of spooky way mean more that you had a good time with your best friend and your daughter. Like, yeah. and it's, and that's what the point of that entire fucking movie is. And that also like, that the Virgin Suicides is really about like that you should live your life. You should live your fucking life. No matter what everyone says is supposed to be your life, you should live your fucking goddamn life. Sorry. All right, what's your two? My number two is Virgin Suicides. Mm. It is the movie... That when people bring up Sofia Coppola, I immediately go to. Mm. I have these memories and these images in this movie that are 50% real and 50% just a mental image of how I felt yeah. me projecting it onto the movie. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's also like, but that's what's great about her movies is that she has a spooky way of being like, this is your life. This is you. You are here now. You don't really register it exactly, but it is. It's your life now. And you're like, oh, shit, is it? Is this really me? Is this what's happening to me? Regardless of which one you are, which character you are, you find some weird way whenever you watch a Sofia Coppola movie to fucking latch on to a character, and you're like, oh, this is my life. This is my life. And you exist in that moment, and you are part of it, and spoiler alert, when the virgin suicides go down, you are devastated. Suicided. Mm, by the CIA. Yeah. Secret Illuminati. Um, all right, so what's your number one? What's your number one? What's man? your number two? Oh, my number two. Yeah, I'm just going to flip because my number two is somewhere. Okay. I, I love somewhere. I really do. It, it blew my mind. There's something about it that is our world almost exactly precisely and everyone's trying to be an adult and they're trying to do something to make money and they're trying to do something to be better and they're trying to do something to make everything correct. And in the meantime, their friends and their family is like, Hey, why don't you just hang out with us and play DDR? That's actually your life. And they're like, no, no, I have another life that's more important. It's more important because it's I've been told to do this. And it's like, no, it's not, man. It's not. Your life is your friends and your family playing fucking DDR. I'm sorry. Guitar Hero. Good. I, I know. I said DDR because I liked it. Okay. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's that's what you'll remember. That's what means somewhere. That's... What will be what you remember in your life? <sighs> so I think we have the same number one, and I think yeah. we should say it at the same time on the count of three. You it ready? It will be one, two, two three. three. A very Godfather Merry Christmas. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. No, no doubt. It's, if you haven't seen Lost in Translation, you're an idiot. You've literally lived your life for 20 years without Lost in Translation. You've literally lived your life. Unless they're 15. Okay, fine. But still. But still. Right. Yeah. No, you should watch it. You should watch it. And I, go on our Reddit page. Tell us what you think. You get to watch Bill Murray do fucking wipe out fucking drums on a door, which was very impressive. 
Scarlett Johansson is Scarlett Johansson. I, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. That's a really easy sell. Yeah, I, I don't know what else. To, uh, Giovanna Ribisi does his best a Spike, Spike Jones, Jones impression <laughs> to the point where even the first time I was watching, I was like, I went, oh, mm. God. Also, Spike. I, I'll give credit to fucking Sophia being like, no, Scarlet is. Understand now, Scarlett Johansson, mega A++ movie star, Black Widow, is not- What's Black Widow? What's up? What's Black Widow? Um, she's one of the Avengers. What are the Avengers? Uh, it's a movie that came out in, I think it had Adam West in it. He's one of them. Uh, and one is of, that the guy from Avatar? Yes. Is another Avatar movie? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Okay. And, That's what I thought. But there's maybe no Scarlett Johansson without fucking <laughs> literally, uh, Sophia saying, no, you're, you're you. And it's, there's a very real correlation of like, are A-list actresses of the modern era in Sofia Coppola movies of Sofia Coppola being like, no, it's you and you should run the show. And obviously the two main ones, Kirsten Dunst, Sofia Coppola, Elle Fan, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, no, you should run the show. Like her taste in fucking lead actresses in her movies is the taste of apparently all of Hollywood. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? It's preposterous, but I can't adore Lost in Translation more than I already do. It already affects me. I already think about it. It's spooky. It's beautiful. It's romantic. It's funny. It's weird. It's It'll haunt you. It'll just haunt you. All of her movies will haunt you. They're ghosts. They're ghosts that will live inside of your head after you see them. I don't know if that's necessarily a positive thing that I'm saying, but I. it's a positive ghost. It's a friendly ghost that lives inside of your head all the time. I don't think of them as ghosts. I just think of them as memories lost in time, like tears in the rain. The Tauhauser Gate. I've been trying to get the joy notification on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, we finally got back to a deep, deep Blade Runner cut. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. All right. I love you guys. Uh, you got any other hot takes on Sofia Coppola? I can't. I can't gush over her enough. I honestly can't. I I came to almost crying over Sofia Coppola a couple of times because her movies are so fucking goddamn good. And uh, if you don't like Sofia Coppola movies, I'm gonna say this: this is not this is not hyperbole. Fuck you. There we go. And that's it. That's it. And that's it. All right, everybody, welcome to uh, Blockbuster Film School. <laughs> All right, well, team. I had a good time. I hope you had a good time. I know Super Producer Brian Tefts had a good time. I know Headmaster Nicholas Souter had a good time. One of my favorite filmmakers in the history of the world we got to talk about, uh, Miss Sofia Coppola. And uh, I want you guys to remember that no matter what, no matter what goes down, you should always play DDR with your friends and your kid. And fuck your fucking stupid job. But in between that, yeah, like, subscribe, go yeah. to our Instagram. Yeah, come to go our to Instagram. Our Reddit. Yeah, absolutely. Come to Bonzo with three ends. Come to Sleepy Menthol. Please like and subscribe. I'm not going to beg, but do it. All right? Listen to my words. 
Listen to my words. Do it. Listen. I love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week at the Blockbuster Film School. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da.